Welcome to the CME CE podcast, Let's Talk MRSA, 20 Frequently Asked Questions. Please review the complete CME CE information at www.mrsa20faqs.com. This podcast is designed to clarify frequently asked questions in serious MRSA infections that pose a threat to patient safety and add to the healthcare burden. Episodes released weekly are structured into four learning modules. Learners can apply for credit after reviewing each learning module. This is the first learning module, Evolving Epidemiology of MRSA. There are four episodes in this learning module. This is the second episode. In this episode, Dr. George Zanell from University of Manitoba in Canada shares his clinical experience. Thank you, Dr. Zanell, for joining us in this discussion. In this episode, we will try to get a better understanding on the scope of healthcare-acquired MRSA infections and what is contributing to its prevalence. So, Dr. Zanell, what has been the trend for healthcare-acquired MRSA prevalence in hospitals over the years? The general trend for healthcare-acquired MRSA infections in U.S. medical centers over the years has been a slow but steady increase. A couple of recent papers, uh, the NAMI paper from the CDC published in JAMA in 2003, and the McDonald et al. paper in Clinical Infectious Diseases in 2006 nicely depict what has happened with MRSA in U.S. hospitals as well as in the community over the past several years. We know that MRSA came out in the 60s, started to spread in the 70s, and by the 80s, somewhere around 10% of all staph aureus and medical centers in the U.S. were MRSA. MRSA was up to 25% of the 90s, 50% of the 2000s, and today we're somewhere in the range of 60, 65% in most medical centers. And this is the typical trend of what is going on in hospitals across the U.S. is that MRSA continues to increase over time. Now, there was a very recent paper that just came out in the August edition of JAMA, which suggested that... uh, there may be a little bit of decrease of MRSA infections in some medical centers. These particular investigators studied nine medical centers from 2005 to 2008 and show that there was a statistical reduction in MRSA infections in terms of healthcare and also community-associated infections, which is very encouraging, and they suggest that may be due to infect- aggressive infection control efforts. However, <clears throat> This has not been shown in the vast majority of medical centers, so I think today we still have to assume that MRSA infections are growing, they are alive and well, and we need to use a variety of measures to aggressively control them. Now, so despite that recent report by the CDC that shows sort of a decreasing trend, it still remains a predominant pathogen for healthcare-acquired infections. What factors have contributed to this high prevalence? No question, MRSA continues to be a very significant pathogen, and we must assume that it continues to increase in medical centers in the U.S. The contributing factors include, one is the fact that this is a ubiquitously available pathogen. MRSA is established in all medical centers in the United States. It is established in a variety of medical wards, whether it's the surgical wards, internal medical wards, in the intensive care units, in the outpatient clinics, in the specialty clinics. It is spread throughout the hospitals, including in oncology centers, the dialysis wards. The other issue is infection control, and that is all hospitals 
are using infection control to some degree to try and battle the spread of MRSA within their medical institution. But what we do know is that the most effective and simplest strategy in infection control is hand washing. And every single medical center who has reported has shown that hand washing in their institution is very inconsistent. And the inconsistent rates of hand washing allow the spread of MRSA from patient to patient, <clears throat> patient to staff member, staff member to staff member, and also fomite spread to a variety of diagnostic uh, equipment in the hospital. So it's really the lack of infection control and also the new, ubiquitous nature of MRSA within medical centers. Now, are there specific types of healthcare-acquired infections where MRSA is a leading problem? Absolutely. The uh, CDC uh, published a paper in JAMA in 2003 uh, with Namie et al., and what they showed was a really nice difference in types of infections caused by healthcare-associated MRSA versus community-associated MRSA. And healthcare-associated MRSA in most medical centers in the United States will be one of the top pathogens in causing hospital-acquired wound infections, that is skin and soft tissue infections and bone and joint infections. It'll be a leading cause of hospital-acquired pneumonia and ventilatory-acquired pneumonia, and it'll be a leading cause of bacteremia, primary bacteremia and secondary bacteremia in institutions uh, across the U.S. But it can also cause a variety of other infections, including infections of the urinary tract, uh, otitis externa, and a variety of other infections, but it is a leading cause of infections, including bacteremia, skin soft tissue, and the respiratory tract. Okay, and, and what are the risk factors for MRSA infections? Typically for healthcare-associated MRSA, the risk factors have been well-known and well-described, and they include causing infection in individuals who are older in age, although individuals can vary from one year old to over 100 years old. But in general, these are older patients. These are patients who have a variety of morbidity and mortality and comorbid illness. These are individuals who have recently been on antibiotic use, and recent these days we say is within 90 days. These are individuals who have undergone a variety of uh, instrumentation and diagnostic tests. So they've been exposed to the hospital environment the hospital flora, healthcare workers, antibiotics, allowing them to become colonized with MRSA and potentially also infected with MRSA. So in light of how common this pathogen is in causing healthcare-acquired infections, what can be done to decrease the prevalence of healthcare-acquired MRSA? Many things can be done and have been discussed, which includes isolating patients with MRSA infection and colonization, screening individuals for the presence of MRSA, decolonizing patients and potentially even staff members if they have uh, MRSA infection or colonization. But the single biggest factor that is shown to be the most effective is ongoing hand washing in between patients. So the MRSA that a patient has is not transmitted to hospital equipment is not transmitted to other uh, uh, patients and is not transmitted to the healthcare worker because eventually what happens is that it's the healthcare worker's hands that touch an instrument that has MRSA on it, touches a patient, for example, a wound, a bandage that has MRSA, and the MRSA gets on the individual's hands, and that is how the MRSA is transmitted to another 
individual, such as a patient, a staff member, or some sort of diagnostic equipment like a stethoscope, uh, a bed rail, and that's how MRSA is transmitted in the hospital. So there are a variety of infection control tools that we have at our disposal. The most powerful one is ongoing hand washing to prevent the transmission of MRSA. Thank you, Dr. Donnell, for sharing your insights on this important topic. Please join us again for additional discussions on how to address the MRSA crisis. Thank you.